Today on Locked On White Sox, you will hear from one of the most interesting White Sox fans I've talked to in a long time. It's a burner account. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That YouTube one is really important to us. You can find us there at Locked On Sox. We're trying to get up to 50 subscribers. We're currently at 48. So if you're watching me right now, hi, how are you? I see you. Please subscribe. It would mean the world to me. We're trying to get up to 50. We set a goal. We are almost there. You can help us reach it. Thank you so much if you do. I'm Sean Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today's a big week. It's super week brought to you by Get Upside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than on Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. So if you're looking for a preview this Friday, go check on Lockdown Bengals, go check on Lockdown Rams, go check on Lockdown NFL. Uh, really big week. It's super week. It's a super important week. You might know uh, the big games happening on Sunday. Now, on today's episode, first off, it is Friday, February 11th. Hi, how are you? TGIF. Shout out to Dan from the 219. Shout out to my mom. Today on the episode, it's Friday fun. I'm going to sit back, relax. We're going to talk to a fellow White Sox fan. One of my favorite follows on Twitter. You could technically call him a burner account. You can follow him at White Sox SPRBW. Used to be at Yasmani Grandal before he got that account uh, shut down for uh, posting copyrighted videos. Not his fault. Uh, But at White Sox SPRBW. He'll explain what that means into the in, in the interview. I'm sorry, I can't talk today. In the interview, he'll explain that handle. But we start off with him kind of summing up how I feel about him. Uh, what, is he really a burner account or is he just a very informed White Sox fan? Here's GD. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a, like a burner account, but I'm like not, I try not to be. It's just, I try to get away from like my my friends because they would always like mess with me that I tweet too much about the Sox and like this and that. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll just make a burner account because I can just tweet whenever I want, whatever I want, and nobody will know it's me. And it's just like, it's easier that way. Right. And you could say whatever you want. I mean, when did you start like making the burner account? When did your friends like really start, you know, I mean, how much were you tweeting that your friends were, were texting you this? It, it was a lot during the, I want to say it started during the 2019 season because that was the year that Johan started taking off and Eloy was <laughs> up and Tim was taking off. And it was just like, I was watching every game. I was live tweeting at bats, homers, everything, just like I do now. Right. It was like basically not the same stuff, but it was like similar. It was, I was posting videos for every homers and like doing stuff like that. And it was just, they were getting on to me every single time. Like you, you just tweet so much about it. And it started a lot with the 2015 Hawks too. Um, I mean, so that was what really started it for me. I'm a little bit older than you. So like around 2013 was when I started my Twitter um, and I was tweeting all the time. Like I thought I was better than the beat writers. Like I was annoyingly fast at tweeting. Uh, so I totally understand. And that's why I think I kind of like the idea of, of burner accounts because my friends also were annoyed by me uh, at tweeting this much. So, I mean, w- w- when you go back to 2019, it's not surprising that of course you're tweeting about Yohan Moncada. Is, is he your favorite player? I mean, can, yeah, you, can you say that? Easily my favorite player. I want to say he's even my all-time favorite White Sox right now. Oh. Because, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, 
once the sale trade happened, that was when it, it was like, it was right after the Hawks were done. And then the Sox were just like rebuilding, growing. And I was, I just latched onto Yoan. And ever since that trade, it's just been like Yoan, 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 everything. Right. And Yo knows clutch. And that's, that's all, yeah. that, all, that's all that matters. I mean, what did you think about, did you see my comparison of him and Robinson Cano? Yeah, it was, it's, it's, that was one of the biggest comparisons from him coming over in the first place too. Right. Was and the I, power yeah, hitting second baseman, sweet swing. And he's 27. It's like, yeah. I don't understand why people are so ready to knock down one of the Sox best players, because <laughs> it's like when you're this productive and you're still been playing in the major leagues, it's like any moment, the whole power thing can click for him. Like right. I mean, it, he hits the hell out of the ball. It's not like he doesn't, you know, nail the ball. Right. And it was like this year in 20 in 2020 towards the second half, we saw like the power fade off to where he just like the only homer he hit in the second half was like a wall scraper against the Cubs. And then, but this year he was, he was hitting like the bomb uh, in Minnesota where he hit it right-handed too. And it went all the way, hit that back wall. And then in uh, against the angels where he hit it all the way up in goose Island, like the power's there, it could click back. I, I don't see it being a, that big of an issue next year. It's, and he was hitting the fastball much better in the second half, in- which, I, f- I found this, which I thought you were going to like. I found this for you. Uh, I was looking at like on base streaks, like most times guys got on base, like in a, in a row. Gr- Grandal was uh, got 30 straight. Moncada was second. And in that time, he hit 314, 419, 48, or 448 uh, with, I think, like 10 extra base hits over 28 games. So, I mean, like in, in the second half, I mean, he was truly like what we were promised for Moncada. Right. As soon, I remember as soon as that second half started, I think he – he went three straight games with a homer. It was like uh, one against the Astros and then two straight against uh, Minnesota. And it, it all started to seem like it was clicking in the second half. He was hitting the fastball much better. I remember looking up earlier in the offseason that his average exit velocity against fastballs in the first half was like around 84. And then in the second half, it jumped up to like 89, 90. So he was seeing the fastball much better. So you were close. He hit a home run against Houston on July 18th, and then he didn't homer against Minnesota. On, oh, well, it was a doubleheader. So you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Now I want to talk about this. You're a college student. Like, you know yeah. so much about the Sox, and this is just I, off your head. Yeah. I mean, this, the only person that, and I don't want to, this is, might be too high of a, a compliment, but the only person that, like, I know that can recall this stuff like that is Les Grobstein. Um, and, and you, you, I worked in sports radio and you're always talking to Chicagoans and these guys never have this much information. They never know this much. Um, I think it's a part of being a younger fan and having all this information, but I mean, when did the, the love of the Sox start? Cause I mean, you got the Sox flags behind you, you got yeah. the poster behind you. I mean, when did it all start? It, it all started when I was really young, probably like two or three years old. My dad had season tickets and he would take me to all a ton of games. I remember he had this this book with all just baseball stuff. I remember he had he would teach me all the logos. He would bring me around his friends and they would quiz me on all the logos, do do everything in like this big book that I had. And then just playing baseball growing up and watching all the time, being so close to the stadium growing up, being at all the games. It was just I don't know, it just grew on me. Infectious. Yeah. What was the what's the biggest moment of being at the park for you? What's the biggest memory you have? See, it sounds it sounds crazy because it's so recent, but well, I guess two to them because they're just mo- so recent and it's the biggest. The, my favorite games being at are the blackout games or the blackout game and the Yonos clutch game. The oh, you were at the game. Yonos clutch game? Yeah. April 5th, 2019. I think it was April. Was it April 5th? 
I think so. I think I, I was. Just, I was, I'm always looking. I looked at. Yeah, April fifth is when they. Well, that's when they tweeted it. Yeah, four thirteen. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. April fifth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, I, that game was nuts to me because it was when Eloy was coming up, and I was so ready for that season. I remember every season that I would listen to the Sox on uh, Sox Talk podcast, and they would always just hype up the team, saying maybe this year the they can clinch the wild card. And so every opening week or so, I'd be always hyped up, ready to go, and then that moment happens where it's the year after everyone's doubting Mankata saying, Oh, he's a bust. And then he comes out, almost hits a grand slam, puts up the, t- uh, the go ahead run in the seventh. It was just amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, and you, you mentioned like, you know, that's when you started tweeting a lot, uh, but it's, it's infectious when this team starts adding talent. I mean, it's, it's tough because all my memories are either my first game in 2004, uh, the game against Houston uh, in 2006 that I went to, or the perfect game in 2009. And then all the other Sox games I went from, you know, that uh, the the perfect game in 2009 to about 2019 is all just this blur of Paul Konerko and random dudes. So I understand right. that, especially, you know, being a fan, you're going to be your most interested when the team is good. So it's not surprising that 2019 is like the time you started, you know, picking this back up um it's funny that you mentioned though your dad and his friends quizzing you on like logos and stuff um there's mario's barber on uh i think like 79th or something my dad used to take me into there and they would like toss me bubble gum uh and like i'd be like diving on the floor of this barber shop like trying to catch this bubble gum so like baseball was always like kind of in my life like that too uh what was your favorite part of playing about you know what was your favorite part about playing baseball i mean how, how did you play long were you decent um i I played up until I know your ball, uh, but I don't know if you can you play. Ball? Yeah, I, I played up until high school and then uh, playing in high school just wasn't I didn't like it. It wasn't wasn't fun. It seemed like the coaches just ripped all the fun out of it. So but playing travel ball, playing with like um, playing in my little leagues at, in, at home, it felt like I, I felt like I was a big leaguer playing in those games. So it was always so much fun to me just going out playing every day. It was so much fun. And the I, I was a second get... baseman, so. Okay, so you're a righty. But, no, I'm lefty. Well, I, I throw righty, but I bat lefty. Oh, okay, that's that's usually yeah. a weird combo. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, I think it's from my dad. My dad throws righty, he's bat, bats lefty too. But some for some reason, my brother doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me, but. My dad's a psycho and, and throws with both hands. He, he can do the Pat Vendetti where he can, Jeez, he has two different he... mitts. I don't know. He's he, he was a kid from the 80s. They were so bored. They just did that. Like they just go outside and like throw with both hands. And that's all they do for like 10 hours a day. I guess that's why we're losing a lot of switch hitters now too. Lockdown White Sox fans and Built Bar fans. I have great news for you. Built Bar has a brand new treat for you. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All are so good. These, these puffs are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs included 100% real chocolate. You can go to built.com and you could scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away. Again, high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 
four net carbs and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a typical candy bar, and those can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. At Built, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Go try these tasty, delicious, healthy bars. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Exactly. And and well, what do you think about this? This is something I haven't talked about on the podcast yet, but it's a, I, I read this from Fangraphs uh, that like they were looking at people that might need to stop switch hitting. Uh, they use Cedric Mullins as an example. He stopped switch hitting. He has this 30-30 season. And one of the examples they used was Moncada. What do you think about him as a switch hitter? Do you like him being a switch hitter? Do you think he should stop and just only go for the left side? Do you have an opinion? I, I like him being a switch hitter just for lineup construction reasons. And I don't think he, he's not terrible against left-handed pitchers, mm-hmm. but it is the weakness. So, I mean, if he does it, it's only good can come from it. He's it's not like he's not going to get that much worse from uh, going against left-handed pitchers, but I don't right. know. It doesn't really bother me that much because <clears throat> I know that's one of was one of his biggest criticisms over the years. It was strikeouts and can't hit from the right side. And I mean, if he could try it and it works out perfect, if it doesn't work out, he can always probably go right back. Yeah. And if he becomes a left-handed hitter, then it's just, you know, really becoming and fulfilling the Robinson Cano uh, prophecy there uh, with White Sox Twitter. Now we'll move to this. Can you explain the handle? Cause I think people see it and then might be a little confused by White Sox SP RBW. What does it mean? Well, if at first it was, it was Keuchel RBW and I changed it after the lockout because everyone, it was like the, the blackout pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll just save that for when the lockout comes back. And then I'll go back to Keuchel RBW. And it was just like a big like joke from MLB Twitter where everyone had these resurgent bandwagons for random players. And I decided to do mine for a player that sucks. <laughs> so that it was just like a little <clears throat> ironic just in that way. And I don't know. It kind of just stuck after uh <clears throat> After I lost Yasmani Grand Die, that's when it was I, I was struggling to search for an at. And Did you choose to give up the at Yasmani Grandal handle or no? It, it, you just it, got bored of it. Once I got suspended, it they don't let me get it back. Oh, okay. So then yeah, oh, so you just had to figure out a new way. I mean, was there a different player yeah. you tried? Did you try to get like at Dallas Keichel? No, I did not try to do that. <laughs> I, I don't want that to be attached to me. Um <laughs> I had your mean Chevrolet for a little bit. And then outside of that, I had, I had a Dylan Cease one a long time ago. I don't know if that's still on there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just haven't really found something that stuck. Yeah. You said, you said you've, you've had two burner accounts at Yasmani Grandal I think what uh, was in the, from one, one from the one Oh eight tourney, which I saw yeah. you in. Uh, and then, and then you've obviously got that account suspended with the DMCA strike. Uh, yeah. So with, with with the, the resurgent bandwagon and, and picking Keiko. I mean, that's why I kind of like your humor uh, is you, you're going to pick the player uh, to have a resurgent bandwagon. Uh, what, what about Keiko? I mean, what, what watching him in 2021, what feeling did that give you? I, I hated it every second of it. <laughs> it was just like terrible every single time because he would go in uh, no strikeouts, a lot of walks this year, I feel like, which mm-hmm. I got to double check in the numbers, but it felt like a lot of walks just from the eye test. And it just, it was like, he would always stay out there too long and ending too long. Tony would keep him out there and then everything would blow up. And all of a sudden it's five, three, and you got to make a comeback in the seventh and eighth. 
Man, yeah. just terrible. I mean, with with Keuchel, the, the walk numbers, he, he had 59 this year. Uh, that was the second, that was the most he's ever had uh, outside of 2018. He had 58, but he pitched 200-something innings in 2018 and gave up 58 walks. He pitched 162 this year, giving up 59. So, yeah, I, I think rate-wise, probably the highest it's ever been. Um, I, I just, I can't believe, and it really feels like the closer and closer we get to March, that he's actually going to be in the rotation. I, there, it, there's no way, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they might have him then vest more money and get an option for $2 million and then his salary goes up to 20. That, that might I mean, be that's where the lockout saves us. Right. I mean, the lockout I, saves us where he goes under, uh, <clears throat> what is it? 160 innings. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they shorten the season and that's the yeah. biggest gain for the white Sox is they can stay healthy and not pay Dallas. Keiko. Yeah. Be perfect. Well, his, but Boris, I, his I, agent, his Boris his agent will probably sneak in and be like, Oh, we'll prorate this. Yeah. That's um, exactly what he'll do. But uh, with, with, with the lockout, what, what are you feeling? You feeling confident? You think they're going to you know, shorten the season? I don't know. I was like, I remember the whole time during the lockout, I was like, oh, they'll just get it. They'll just wait and they'll get it done. As long as it's done by a Super Bowl, that's fine with me. Just like uh, I, I, I was fine with it because I was able to sit there peacefully, not have to worry about signing. Who's going to do this? Are they going to trade Kimbrell? Are they going to trade Keiko? Is What's, what's going to go on? I was kind of like just fine with it. And now it's starting to get to this point where things might get delayed and I, I'm starting to not feel as confident that they're going to get it done. Right. I know you're a big Conforto guy. I mean, how, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, we're still locked out, they don't have right field solved and Conforto is still out there. I mean, once the lockout opens, we hope that they're aggressive. I want them to go after Schwarber. Uh, you, you like Conforto. Uh, what do you think Conforto adds to this team? And if, if they're not able to add someone of his level, I mean, what do you think that does to the team? I think that Conforto is just like the absolute perfect ad for us because he's just the exact guy we've been looking for, for, I feel like the last, what, three, three, four free agencies where we, we try to go out. We need a left-handed bat outfielder. And this is a guy who walks a ton. He could put him right in the middle of the lineup and have him get on base a ton, just like Yaz and Johan. And it'll load the bases for Abreu and Eli. It's the guy who was a one thirty WRC plus hitter from 2018 to 2020 he was, he was around three and a half war per 150 in that span. And even last year after the All-Star break, he was a 120 WRC plus hitter. Well, and, and again, it's kind of the pedigree too. I mean, he's a first rounder. Uh, there's the, I don't know if you ever saw this uh, graphic, but there was a graphic of like the first 27 games of their career. And it's like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Michael Conforto. And it's from a Mets no, broadcast. I've never seen that. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's like Conforto has these crazy stats and they're, they're showing that he's better than, uh, than Trout and Harper. So, I mean, like it's still the pedigrees there, there haven't been too many concerning injuries for me too, where I think that, if they want a true right fielder, I think that he's the best option. And now even, you know, the guy I want Schwarber with them, Manford coming out today saying they agreed to the universal DH. Yeah. That's going to be tough price, for him to, yeah, to his price is going to go here. We have big news. Bet online is now the exclusive sports book of the locked on podcast network and of locked on socks. Bet online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its March through the playoffs, right to the big game in just a couple of days. Speaking about that big game, you go to betonline.net right now and you can see the odds for Sunday's game. If you like Cincinnati, plus 167 on the money line. If you like the Rams, minus 192 on the money line. I I like Cincinnati. You know, you put 100 down, you possibly get 267 back. It's, It's a nice payday. And I think that Joe Burrow might have 
it. You know, you look at a quarterback and you, you see a guy that has it. I think Joe Burrow has it. So I don't know if you're looking to spend some money this big game Sunday, betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. They have up to minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real time updates of current games. Bet online where the game starts. Right. So that's, I think the Sox too. I mean, the more and more we get closer and closer, adding Conforto is a need because I can't see Adam Ingle being the starter just with his health. And unless they want to do the, the Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn platoon, or they want to put a first baseman in right field again. Well, I, I was fine with putting a first baseman in right field. I, I thought if you, you sign Schwarber, you put him at DH, uh, and then you just become more aggressive and shift Vaughn more. I, I thought that could help him out because there was something about it where like, if he didn't, if he was po- positioned in the right way last year, it was on Savant, uh, that he was, he had like a hundred percent success rate on, on his catches in right field. So I think that they might be able to get something out of him in right field, especially if he slims down, but the more and more we get closer and closer, I just think that this team is not going to spend. They're going to have, you know, somebody filling out that fifth spot and not Carlos Rodon or someone to that level. I don't think they're going to go out and get to para who I think Josh Nelson was hyping up for on, uh, on Twitter today. And then right field. I think that you might get first baseman playing right field again, or you might get Adam Engel who hopefully can stay healthy. Right. And that doesn't even bring up second base either. Yeah. Your favorite Which, position. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, I don't know. I want him to spend so bad on just like right field, but then I always forget that second base is just there and there's no <laughs> options. There's nothing there. It's like maybe uh, you go after uh, Brad Miller or Jonathan VR and those are your guys there. And that's not really, doesn't make anybody too excited. Those are just guys that are just going to fill spots. Right. And I know right. everybody hates Larry playing or starting, but I mean, he's probably You're- bringing the same value. Yeah, you were at the blackout game. You know the you know the value he brings. You know the clutch hitting he brings. I love Larry. I've I've been I I feel like I'm known to love Larry. I'm one of those guys. I love Larry so much. He's he's a perfect utility player. He could play anywhere. I'm fine with him playing. Oh, I I don't want to say that. I was gonna say I'm fine with him playing every day, but I'm not fine. (laughs) Can't do that. But he he played really well last year after Magical went down. Right. He played really well. He was around a 120 WRC plus hitter, and he was walking at like a 12 percent rate. He he was hitting the ball really well. Well, and then when, and when Cesar comes in, you know, Chad's second baseman, as you call them, uh, like yeah, it's just yeah. he, 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 he crapped the bed, uh, to put it lightly. And it, it just kind of sucked the energy out of that position completely. Uh, I don't mean to, to I, I want to get your take on this, but uh, a Woj bomb just dropped while we we're recording this. Uh, Brooklyn's trading James Harden to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond and oh, two wow. first round picks. Uh, so we just got Woj bombed. Uh, what, what do you think crazy. about that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not the biggest basketball fan but that's that's a nuts trade i i know ben simmons has been is he's been on the rumor for a while now hasn't he has he played a game all year no yeah he, he's, he held out the entire season after he couldn't make a shot in the uh the playoffs which you know that's never important uh leary garcia can do that but ben simmons yeah uh can't Le- I think more clutch than ben simmons we actually. could probably trade leary garcia for mike trout that's what that's telling me yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so uh, we'll wrap it up a little bit here, but I, I just want to uh, get your thoughts uh, on, on a couple more things. Uh, one of the things is Madrigal. You brought him up. I mean, you weren't the biggest fan of Madrigal on Twitter. What are your thoughts on him? I know you said that kind I think that your feelings on the Kimbrel trade is it was necessary at the time. And I don't think that you feel too bad losing Madrigal, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I really like the trade at the time. I still like the trade just because it was going all in. It was putting your best shot. You're trying to build a Super Bowl pen to where Tony can't mess it up. It, it was, I thought it was a great idea at the time. It, it's, it looks worse now, but I, I really don't think losing Madrigal was that bad to me because he's a guy who has, a, I feel like, a really low ceiling, a high floor, but low ceiling. He's not going to give you a bunch of power numbers. He's going to get you the 300 average. He's going to play all right defense. As I feel like he, he was very bad as a defender, and he was a terrible base runner. I remember him being hyped up when he was first brought up as like Steve Stone was saying, he's going to bring such a great baseball IQ and he's going to, he's going to be such a smart baseball player, but then it just never showed, which right. I think that, was one of the things that drove me nuts. And that's what I think I get. We, we have in Vaughn is baseball IQ. I mean, he can play yeah. left field, second base, first base, right field. And you know, he's not the greatest athlete, but I mean, he's not, he's not stupid out there where right. Madrigal it's like you watch him. It's like, he's, he's just gets blinded by the lights. I don't know if it's just the height thing. Maybe, yeah, maybe the lights like, are just an awful angle blinding him. But do you remember the play in New York? Uh, what was the play plays in New York? Uh, where he, uh, it was a ground ball hit to him at second. It was, I think it was a hard, hard ground ball hit to him at second. He bobbled the first one and then he tried to like throw the ball when he was falling over and he threw it all the way back to the backstop. Right. It, it's like, what's going on. And then there was the two plays in the beginning of the season. There was the one in Seattle where uh, he derailed Giolito's whole first start or second start. And then the double play ball, uh, I think it was with bummer on the mound and opening day. Mm -hmm. It was just like, Oh, this guy just, it sounds really like, like as an advanced stats guy, those aren't the things that I would be saying, but it was just like that. They, it was getting nuts at this point. Yeah, I mean, boneheaded plays are boneheaded plays. And I think, too, like I think of the Milwaukee base running where he breaks his arm or uh, wrist or whatever. And then, uh, too, I mean, you explaining uh, the play in New York. Now I just remember it from you tweeting it so much. Yeah, it it, it drove me nuts. And I I don't think that that second base is like that much of a value to 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 uh, replace either. Right. That was my whole thing. Even last offseason, last offseason, I remember. Do you remember the Corbin Burns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rumor where yeah Corbin Burns would come to the White Sox and Madrigal and Hoyer, I think were the pieces. Yeah, it was like worst. almost the same. It was almost the same trade with just more added on pieces. Right. Which everybody was completely against. I remember, and I was remember being one of the biggest like, we we should do this right now, right now, right now, and just. Well, and imagine that too. You you get Corbin Burns to that rotation, and then maybe you you trade Connor Pilkington to the Cleveland team before 2021 to get Hernandez, and then boom, you have a full team. And I right. wonder what that team would do for 162. And then maybe you don't have to trade Kimbrell and, and they could figure that whole situation out. Um, we'll wrap it up here. You were named the mysterious elder after you bet on Luis Robert to yeah. win 2022 AL MVP. Uh, how you feeling about that bet? I, I, I honestly think that if, if there is a year for him after what he did last year, after changing his stance, I, I think that, you, you know, ceiling's the roof for him. Yeah, I, I feel great about that bet just because the odds, the odds at thirty five hundred are kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Like a guy who was, he was like a top five player when he came back last year, and the only things that you're you're hoping on, which sounds terrible, but like maybe Mike Trout and Shohei Otani don't play a, a one sixty two, <laughs> and then it looks a lot better. Yeah, I, I hope they have great seasons and they are very healthy, but not hey, not better than Luis Robert, and, and not and not a lot of people can handle. I mean, starting pitching and hitting. So I don't know what that 2022 yeah. will actually do to him. I mean, glass glass trout is, you know, I mean, he, it seems like he goes down every year. So I, I really think that Robert, I mean, you're right. I, he was a top five player 
at the end of the season. I think that if I had to put it, I think that he's top 10 uh, just by the way that he finished his ceiling is absolutely incredible. And I, that's a, that's a great free bet right there. That's free money. I think uh, yeah. one, one last question. Uh, were you surprised how 2021 ended for the Sox? Um, you know, did you think that just Houston was a bad matchup for them? Uh, and, and what do you think for 2022, if they make the right moves, if they're able to fill out second base and right field uh, and, 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 the, and the rotation, I mean, what, what do you think about 2022? Well, in, in 2021, I was, I wasn't really shocked when I found out the, as soon as I found out we were playing the Astros, I thought I, it was my worst nightmare because that team just sinker ball pitchers, ground ball pitchers, and just unbelievable patient offense. I knew it was just like terrible from the start. So that didn't really surprise me. And then in 2022, I feel like it, it's World Series time. If they if they could just make the right moves and get a right fielder and get a, a second baseman, I, I don't think Keiko at the five spot would derail World Series run. Whoa. It, I don't think it would because it didn't last year. It, well, true. we were right there last year and he didn't. It's not like he derailed us in the playoffs. It was just I think it was a terrible matchup. If we match up with the Red Sox, or the Rays, I think we might be going to the World Series even last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the argument. If you don't have Keuchel in those spots, maybe you win more games, and then that way you don't play Houston in in in, in that in the playoffs. But then again, you know, it's it's not like you wouldn't have to, uh, you know, play just, them in general. Right, play them in general. It's not like it, it wouldn't be the second round matchup. But you're right. I mean, it's not like Keuchel hurt them so much where they didn't win a World Series. A lot of other things happened. I did find the the perfect shirt for you. Uh, it's it's it says I freaking hate the White Sox. Um, across the chest, which I think I think is perfect for you. That uh, is I, perfect. Right. I appreciate your time and and go white suck. Yeah, yeah, go white sucks. Let's go. Go white suck. And thank you to GD for joining me. It was an absolutely fun conversation. Exactly what I wanted uh, from him. He is energetic. He is passionate, and that's exactly what I thought was. You know, I thought that was exactly who it was behind the count. So uh, shout out to GD. So fun to connect with him and, and so fun to put a face uh, to the, the voice and, and to the tweet. So shout out to GD. You can follow him at White Sox SP RBW or White Sox starting pitching uh, resurgent bandwagon. And hey, sometimes I don't understand the stuff he tweets too, but I try. I try to inform myself on what, what the youth is talking about. So shout out to GD. Very, very informed Sox fan. Very, very fun conversation. Go follow him on Twitter. You'll learn a lot. Honestly, he'll, he'll tweet a lot, but you'll learn a lot as well. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. The next episode is on Monday. It's a Monday mailbag. Call in 312-566-8727, or you can write in Lockdown White Sox, or sorry, Lockdown Sox at gmail.com. I know a lot of you are informed White Sox fans, just like GD, who reach out all the time. I know Alex, we know our good guy, Mark in the park. We know Dan, Sean, Matt from Oakland, all you guys feel free to send in your questions for Monday mailbag. Now make your second listen, lockdown bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm Sean Anderson, and I will talk to you on Monday here on lockdown socks.